The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Good morning. You found Financial Food for Thought. We've got Mark Donnelly and Carrie Waddell. It's our Thanksgiving show. Carrie, I needed some calming music. Mm-hmm. We're actually taping this show on the Wednesday, Thanksgiving Eve. Mm-hmm. A little commotion in the radio studio this morning. Right? Still busy. Moving around. So hopefully everybody is going to have a good Thanksgiving. And Carrie, I guess the question that I have for everyone at this Thanksgiving is... Are you drinking the eggnog? Meaning, are you getting caught up with all the headlines about how Biden inflation is going to derail your retirement plan? I thought you meant if you drink enough eggnog, you won't care about inflation <laughs> or much anything else. Or is it too expensive to even buy the eggnog anymore? We, you know, so we we've heard that the cost of putting on a Thanksgiving dinner is what up 14% this year. And there's a lot of headlines saying that there's a 25% of the buying public out there isn't is going to cut back on the spirits that they usually serve with Thanksgiving dinner, whether it be eggnog or wine or what have you. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. So we'll talk about that and how we look at if you're concerned about a, a high inflation, right. elevated inflation, that may be somewhat more than transitory, right? depending on how you define transitory, we know how the Federal Reserve, we now think we understand what they mean by transitory. And let's get started there, because remember last week, Carrie, I said President Biden better make a pretty, he's running out of time to name whether he was going to na- right. renominate which, Jerome Powell or Bernard. Which you said it wouldn't be a good idea if he made a change. And of course, he's he didn't. Not. Right. Because at the last moment here, give us your take on the combination. It's a combination now of Jay Powell and Leo Brainerd. So it's the interesting combination. So those are the two that were in the running to become Fed chair. Of course, Brainerd is the more progressive choice. Remember, Elizabeth Warren called Powell the dangerous man. And but I think Biden thought that perhaps Brainerd wouldn't get through confirmation because she's too progressive and she wouldn't get the, you know, the Republican votes at all. And it was getting late. And the other thing I said was, well, perhaps if he renames Powell and Powell's fails or his soft landing fails, he can always blame Trump because Trump was the one who originally, you know, put Powell. I think it's a good choice. This is a good team. This is Larry Summers, uh, former Treasury Secretary. That the president made uh, this choice. Uh, this is the team that guided us through the response to the financial crisis. Jay was at the helm, but Lale played a key role in the design of the facilities that enabled us to maintain much smoother financial markets and have a much more rapid recovery than uh, people expected, particularly in the traumatic early financial moments of uh, that uh, crisis. I think it's a, I think that this is a moment when continuity is a very good thing to have at the central bank, and that's what we're going to have with uh, these uh, selections. I do think... As- okay, so so he Larry Summers is happy with the selections. I think most people are okay. It's, it's kind of that middle, Carrie, again, bringing it back to the middle where Powell may be a little bit less progressive than Brainerd, but yet 
they're working as a team. And I always, and that's what I said last week too. The Fed chairman doesn't really make decisions on their own. They work in that committee. It's a committee approach. So we'll see how that goes. And and we got some data too. We got some economic data that does that help us, you know, understand whether this inflation that we've reached the peak, so to speak, and now it's going to subside a bit, or have we not reached the peak? Um, so we had the, uh, you know, we had a second reading of third quarter GDP. And it came in at 2.1%, slightly higher than the first reading, which was 2%. Now, of course, that's come, you know, that's cooled off from the hot GDP that we were experiencing in the first couple quarters, but that was all the Rona revenge spending, right? And that's all, you know, that was the, the beach ball bounce recovery. But, the, you know, one of the things that we keep an eye on, you know, if you're worried about that, that stagflation, you know, that we're keeping an eye on GDP. And as long as GDP can hang in there, even with the higher inflation and unemployment, you know, employment staying weight is getting lower too. So hopefully a lot of people are expecting that the GDP will even be better in the fourth quarter than it was in the third quarter. But even if we're running at three, four percent GDP, that may be enough to starve off a, a stagflation scenario. We also had the personal consumption expenditures, you know, deflator. So again, this is what the Fed uses, Carrie. The Fed doesn't really use CPI when they're talking about target interest rates or target inflation mm-hmm. rates, right? Um, they're using the what we call the personal consumption expenditures, a PCE. And that came in better than what was forecast. It's just slightly. So on the month, it was 0.6. The economists were thinking it would be higher than that at 0.7. And then year over year, it came in at 5. And economists were thinking 5.1. So year over year, 5%. That's still obviously a lot higher than the Fed's target of 2%. But this is what they had told us, but Powell had told us for years, is saying we are we are going to let it float above two. Okay, and they remember, remember he was never specific though on how high he would let it float above two or for how long they would let it float above two. So certainly at five, we're well above two, but we'll see if. But it's coming in lower than than previous, and it's coming lower than what forecasted. So maybe again, maybe we've reached the zenith of the inflation, and perhaps we're on the way back down. So over a long period of time, um, we'll, we'll go for that. So that's. So I'm going to pick up on some of the ways that we help our clients get their arms around if they are concerned about inflation, but also don't get too caught up with the shock headlines, okay? Because I, I think people still misunderstand or maybe not misunderstand, but I hear too many people talking about hyperinflation, Carrie. Mm-hmm. And, and I really don't think we have you have to worry about hyperinflation. But you right may now. have to worry about uh, much higher inflation than you had maybe anticipated. And then how does it affect you? How does that affect your choices? And that's going to be different maybe for someone who's working or somebody who's already retired. Right. And and the other thing, too, we'll talk a little bit of today, uh, being at Thanksgiving, I want to talk a bit about charitable planning, mm-hmm. um, especially at year end, because there's some things that are available this year that may not be available in the future. Some of the things that the Congress put through because of the pandemic relief uh, plans. We'll talk a little bit about that. Also told you last week that I wanted to follow up with the we were going over the new Medicare threshold Irma adjustments mm-hmm. last year or last year. Last la- week. Last week. Right? Does it feel like a year ago, Mark? <laughs> I talk about them every year. But yeah, the uh, and I said I, I try to I said I tried to dig up that case review that I probably did talk about last year. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. And just to show you how it was an example of one of our clients who was thinking that, or, you know, that the way their CPA originally prepared their tax return drafts where they were going to file separate, married filing separate. But I said, well, hold on a second. Do you understand what that would do to your Medicare premiums two years down the ro- around the road? And they had no idea. 
And so and and the numbers we say, well, I'm not sure we want to file separate if it's going to cost us that much more in Medicare premiums in a couple of years. Because the savings may not be worth it. The cost of Medicare premiums is much greater than the savings that you're getting. Right. So we'll go over. So I want to touch on that, too. Carrie, can I fit anything more on our Thanksgiving plate here? Um well, why don't you get us started, and we'll see how much we can get All right. To. Well, good morning, everyone. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought. We're here on Saturday mornings between 9 and 10 on 1420. Um, we're a financial educational talk program here to give you helpful information about issues that may impact your financial life and how to be proactive and understand the choices that you have and make better informed decisions. And we're sponsored by the estate planning team. And the estate planning team is an affordable, fee-based fiduciary planning firm, and we've been around Cleveland area more than 35 years. Um, What we do is custom financial plans and financial modeling through objective, unbiased analysis. We're traditional planners. We're not investment advisors. Um, We look at things very different um, so that people know how short-term decisions, such as even like um, making elections on distributions or filing separately, how does that impact the long-term plan and how do all the pieces and parts fit together? Um, And because we have um, like our plans are customized, so our fees, some people need a little bit of help and we have hourly options and some people want to go through the whole process of building a detailed financial plan or multiple financial plans based on your current thinking. And then these worst case scenarios where people are worried about inflation, what happens if you want to retire in 2022 and 2023 and there's a market downturn and all the different spending and we can manipulate all those variables and adjust those and look at different scenarios and address the things that you're working uh, worried about. Even things like a premature death of a spouse, long-term care stay, whatever that may be. Um, a forced retirement. Um, sometimes people don't want to retire or a situate or they want to retire and maybe not um, work Maybe they want to work part-time, but whatever that scenario is, um, we may be able to help you. And the estate planning team offers a free, no obligation, no pressure consultation, either by phone or in person. We're still happy to do that. And we're scheduling now through the end of actually January if people want to get started after the first of the year, or at least to look at these issues. I know people start getting busy around the holidays, although there may be opportunities this year or things you may want to look at. And you can call, leave a message. We will be back on Monday morning and give you a call then at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090 or visit our website at financialfoodforthought.com. The website, you can listen to podcasts of our previous shows. You can sign up for the newsletter and also contact us there through the website as well for a free consultation. Right. So one of the things that we're telling our clients that they may want to look at beginning of next year, Carrie, is to mark to market with this inflation that we've had. So typically, if you're building a financial plan at home, what you're doing is a start of that is building the expenses. That's the hardest part, by the way, in my opinion, of building a financial plan. Because when you come from the income sources, there's only it's a it's a it's it's limited. It's either the, mm-hmm. your W two wages, which maybe you don't have much control on, right? Or if you're already retired, your pensions, if you have a pension, or Social Security income, right? And then, but from expenses, there is no limit to the amount of expenses our clients can think of, um, including when you add in discretionary spending on top of daily living expenses, right? But so the idea is if you started a financial plan and you just put it, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago, three years ago, and just assumed that whatever your daily living expenses were three, five years ago, and you've just been maybe adding the nominal rate of inflation, you know, maybe two, three percent, that may be shortcutting it right now because we have had this spike in inflation in the last 12 months. So I'm not saying that inflation is going to continue at a six percent rate year over year. But the fact is, we've already experienced that six percent in the CPI over year over year. So maybe you want to relook at your daily living expenses and mark the market, and that's your new starting point. 
And then from that this point going forward, you then say, okay, how much more inflation am I going to add on for mm-hmm. the next 20, 30, do I hear 35 years? So a lot of our clients are going to be doing that if they hadn't you know, updated their, especially if they haven't looked at their expenses in a year or two. Because now we have data that says the price of eggs might not be going back down to where they were a year ago. Mm-hmm. And when you add up all your expenses, that may be material enough that that would change the longevity of your financial plan. Maybe it won't. But do you know? Do you know? Do you have or a you, way to know? Or are you just going to make a knee-jerk reaction and say, oh, I guess I got to cancel that riverboat cruise? Or you're going to say, I guess I can't retire next year. Or maybe you're saying, I can't help out with my grandchildren's college education. You know, or maybe you're just not going to, you're just going to sit home on the couch and complain about inflation. Hmm. I think that's probably a good portion. Um, so, all right. But so let's talk a little bit about, we're also talking about year end planning. So a couple things about that we're seeing this year, Carrie, one thing we're seeing too, is that this is the, why this year is different. <laughs> it's always different. Right? Is because RMDs are back. Mm-hmm. required minimum distributions. So we're seeing this come up with a lot of our clients when they're reviewing their year end. Now they, you know, we, you've got to make sure that don't forget you have RMDs again this year, right. whether that be an inherited IRA or your own IRA. And you don't want to miss it because there's a 50% penalty if you f- don't take it. And it has to be done and implemented by the end of the year. Right. And when we're saying IRAs broadly, that could be simple SEPs, 401ks, 403bs. You get the picture. But also, the idea is we didn't have RMDs last year. They were suspended. So a lot of taxpayers, a lot of maybe you listeners, a lot of, certainly a lot of our clients, they had a reduced tax bill last year because they weren't required to take money out of their IRAs. That doesn't mean they didn't take money out of their IRAs. They just took less than what normally they'd be required to. Mm-hmm. That lowered their taxes last year. So now this year, we're back to a higher taxes because now they have to take out the required minimum. It's going to shoot up their taxes. So this year's taxes is going to be more than last year's taxes. Right. So now they're getting ready to maybe make their final IRA slash RMD distributions for the year. And they're saying, well, Mark, how much withholding do you think I should do on it? See, this is where this year may be different, right? Because... You know, when you talk about tax withholding or making sure you have enough estimated taxes pay in, we always talk about the safe harbors, either the previous year safe harbor or the current year safe harbor. So in this case, if you, you know, so generally, if you think that this year's tax is going to be more than last year's tax, many of our clients just choose to pay the previous year safe harbor. You pay 100% of last year's tax, and now you know you're going to owe money on April 15th when you file the tax return, but you won't be penalized as long as you met the previous year safe harbor. And owing with... uh, with as long as there's no penalty is is okay for some people. Other right. people don't like that. Right. Other people though, then this is what this is the dilemma that we're finding with our clients mm-hmm. and, and flip a coin. Some clients, you know, so we're we're alerting our clients to that fact and working with their CPAs or their tax parents right. saying and their IRA, you know, whoever's the custodian of their IRA saying, Look it, you have a choice. This is how much withholding maybe you need to cover your previous year safe harbor, mm-hmm. but now you're gonna have a tax bill coming April fifteenth. Or if you don't want a tax bill coming April 15th, this is maybe how much more in withholding you want. So you don't have to make a big check payment on April 15th. Right. And you may owe a little bit more without penalty or you might get a refund and everybody's different on their answer. Right. And so so that's then that's and that may not ever occur again like this. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's not the first time last year. You, know, s- they, they, you know, remember the, the um, Treasury and, and the government and the. They suspended the RMDs for one year back in the 2008 Great Recession, too. So it could happen again. So anyways, it's a unique situation that you may want to review. And and if you need help with that, you know, give us a call and we can help you work that out. Um, the other th- the other differences this year is on the charitable contribution. So a couple of things going on here, Carrie, you know, starting in the charity season, right? Well, first of all, since, you know, President Trump's tax act of 2017 it really doubled the standard deduction so a lot of taxpayers are no longer itemizing right because they can't get over the standard deduction especially married jointly because the standard deduction is so high so they're not really getting a deduction for charitable contributions okay because they're not itemizing right um 
Now, so part of that was last year in 2020, the government, part of the pandemic relief, they said, okay, we're going to give an above the line deduction for charitable contrib- cash charitable contributions if the taxpayer doesn't itemize. Now, in 2020, it was limited to $300 per return. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and a lot of you, if you look on your tax return, you probably got that, you know, especially if you gave the right information to your tax preparer. Now, remember, that has to be cash contributions. That can't be, you know, goods that you donated. And that also, uh, you, you know, it was extended. So the Congress extended that tax break for 2021. It's not permanent in the law yet, but is it extended for 2021? And for married filing jointly, they doubled it to $600. Okay. So as long as for 2021, married filing jointly, as long as you have at least $600 of cash charitable contributions, then you can take that above the line deduction, even though you're not itemizing. So keep be aware of that. The other one is if you're a large charitable contributor, right, meaning where you are itemizing because you're doing enough charitable deductions so you can itemize, right, the government gave you some relief for high you know, charitable organiz- you know, charitable deductions. So normally, you remember, Carrie, you know, if you're filing your Schedule A, you can only deduct cash charitable contributions up to 60% of what your adjusted gross income was. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was a, that, there's a rule there. It's a different rule if you're contributing stock. Let's just keep it to cash right now. That has been waived. You know, so th- th- there is no restriction. You can you can go up to 100 percent of your AGI nice. um, if you so choose to. Um, now, normally, again, that with that 60 percent cap, that you couldn't make more. You couldn't deduct more in cash contributions than 60 percent of your adjusted gross income. If you did give over that, then you had a five year carry for it that you could then carry what you couldn't deduct in year one over for five years. But now, so for this year, again, there's the 100% rule. So you can, you know, go up to 100% of your adjusted gross income. All right. Um, so some people are looking at that as a potential um, planning technique. Now, I will make a, a caveat note to that, though. That's cash contributions. That does not include or doesn't include if you want to make a donation to your DAF, your donor advised fund. Mm-hmm. That doesn't count. Okay, this is for cash contributions directly to the charities. The other one, too, we talk a lot about at the end of the year are qualified charitable distributions, right? And with the qualified charitable distribution, those are, some, you know, we just refer to those as QCDs, right? So this is the idea that if you're over age 70 and a half, you've attained age 70 and a half, you can take money directly out of your IRA, Mm-hmm. and send it directly to a charity, okay? And you said directly because it doesn't mean you pull the money out and write a check from your own account. It has to be set up right. through your custodian, which they're used to. And you said 70 and a half, but now that the minimum is 72. Okay, so that's confusing a lot of people right. because the SECURE Act of 2019 extended the RMD age to 72. But the the QCD law 70 and a half is a different part of the tax code. So if I'm not taking minimum required, I can still take advantage of right. this. So even if you're not 72 and you don't have a required minimum, you could still do the QCD if you've attained age 70 and a half. But the big reason why people do it is it helps them reduce the tax hit of their RMD. Right. That was originally 10 of the law, too, by the way. It's just for some reason, the way the laws are written, the SECURE Act didn't discuss about raising the QCD Right, they 72. missed that little detail, right. Um, so now it, it's still available to you at 70 and a half um, if you, if you chose to choose. And there is a limit on that. Now, it's, it's a high limit. It's up to $100,000. Mm-hmm. And if you're married filing jointly and each of you have your own IRAs, you each could do $100,000. Mm-hmm. So it's a very high ceiling. Um, and what's the benefit of that? Well, it could be a lot of benefits, you know, again, because if you're not getting a charitable deduction anyways, right, because you can't itemize, where the, what the, what, how the QCD helps you is that when you take, let's say, $5,000 out of your IRA, and let's say that would cover what you would have to take out under a required minimum, mm-hmm. and, but you send it directly to charity, 
you make a, a adjustment on your tax return that washes out. In other words, you don't end up reporting that 5000 as taxable income at all. In other words, you still have to show it on the line, you know, for for IRA distributions, but then the software or your CPA makes, you know, makes a notation that no, we, the taxpayer did a QCD, that's why nothing's showing up in the taxable amount. Mm-hmm. In my example, if if you gave your whole RMD to charity or $5000. So in a sense, you're lowering your adjusted gross income, okay? Because normally you would have to report $5,000 of a taxable IRA distribution that goes into AGI, goes mm-hmm. into all those thresholds <laughs> that, right. that are based on AGI. But if you do the QCD, you can reduce that. So you're lowering your AGI. And since Ohio starts with federal AGI, you're actually getting a little benefit on the Ohio income tax return mm-hmm. as well, because Ohio doesn't give you charitable deductions anyways. So so a lot of our clients have been forced to go to QCDs because they are making they, you know, they do have required minimum distributions. They don't need all the RMDs for spending. They were going to give money to charity anyways, whether it came out of their RMD or came out of their checking account. But by doing the QCD, they're accomplishing what they were going to do anyways, but they're lowering both their federal and state income tax. And those are looking at opportunities. All right. Um, Now, again, so those are, um, and so we have had some clients, Carrie, that we actually will run it both ways. Mm -hmm. In other words, well, Mark, I'm in a position where I could do either or. Okay. Oh, you're saying on the itemized side? Yeah, if I, because I'm going to do enough, I'm going to take enough out of my IRA, or I have a required minimum. I'm going to give that to my charity, but I'm going to do more that I'm going to do at a level that's going to get me above the standard deduction. Okay. So in essence, I would be able to deduct it on Schedule A. So you're saying we're going to run it saying Schedule A itemized, or is it better to do the QCD? Exactly. Wouldn't that be it? You know, a lot of a people good say, piece of information. Maybe, maybe that's something you want to ask your CPA about. And you know what? I don't know about you, but a lot of people, and I'm included, like if it's a dollar that doesn't go to the government, I'm all for it. It's a dollar more than can go to charity, I right. guess. Right, or to myself or charity, either mm-hmm. way. So those are some of the things that, you know, that are happening you know, as we enter the charitable season. Don't forget about these things and, you know, be prepared for those milestones. You know, understanding that at 70 and a half or at 72 when required minimum, don't forget about the QCD. Now, a lot of this may go away, Carrie, because as you know, we've talked on this show forever, Trump's 2017 tax act pretty much expires for the individual tax part of it expires at the end of 2025, including the higher standard deductions. So it may be starting in 2026. If that tax cuts and jobs act isn't extended or made permanent, everyone may be back in the situation where their standard deduction is going to be cut in half, basically, in 2026. They may be back to normal where they are having getting over the standard deduction. Um, So, you know, this may be a a window period between now and 2026 where you may if you're coming up to these milestones where you, you have the ability to do a QCD. Um, or you're looking at, you know, you know, whether you can itemize or not, you know, this may be something that you want to keep uh, under your watch and say, OK, does it, when does it make sense for me to be a little bit more proactive? And that's what we can help you with is, is, is try to identify these opportunities in a very complicated tax. And that's only one example of the areas that we look at for our clients at the estate planning team. So if you are interested or want to learn more about what we do and how we might be able to help you, you can call the estate planning team for a free consultation, which, again, we can do by phone or in person. Our number is 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. Or visit our website at financialfoodforthought.com. And listen to Mark Dowling, Kara Waddell, and we're the co-owners of the estate planning team. The estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 35 years. And over those decades, carried this time of year, we always give George Washington's eggnog recipe, right? Mm, okay. 
Right. So, if, uh, so the the question is, did you have a comment about that? Jared? I was going to say, I think yeah, isn't it like very uh, potent? Uh, yeah, couple a couple of cups of this, and you'll be right across the Delaware yeah. here. Um, so, and and that's kind of the theme of today. Are you drinking the eggnog? In other words, are you reading the shock headlines about how inflation is going to derail? your retirement plans, or maybe not that, maybe derail your holidays this year, right? So we've seen the headlines where people are saying, hey, I don't know if I can even afford the turkey dinner. I don't know if I can afford to buy Christmas presents. I don't know if I can afford to buy the wine for the Thanksgiving dinner. Well, how about the eggnog? So this actually was preserved in George Washington's Journals, I guess. Okay. You know, for, I don't think it's a diary, but I guess guys would call it a journal, right? So oh, here, that is true. Um, <laughs> so, so here we go. The holiday eggnog, right? So this is George Washington's personal recipe. One quart cream, one quart milk, one dozen tablespoons of sugar. Carrie, that's tablespoons, not teaspoons. Okay. One dozen tablespoons sugar. Dang, that's a lot of sugar alone. One pint brandy. One half pint rye whiskey, one half pint Jamaican rum, one quarter pint sherry. And what you do is you mix all the liquor first, then separate the yolks and whites of the eggs, add sugar to beaten yolks, mix well, add milk and cream, slowly beating, beat whites of eggs until stiff, and fold slowly into mixture. Let set in a cool place for several days. Now here's the key, Carrie. That he leaves in his notes. Taste frequently. <laughs> right, that, that is, that's the key, right? So, um, and I'm sure there are many, um, wow, many holidays at Mount Vernon where I'm sure the eggnog was flowing freely. Um, so, inflation nation. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things, of course, is President Biden really can't afford to have inflation run rampant if the Democrats have any hope of staying in power because mm-hmm. America just won't stand for it. No. Um, and the gas prices, of course, was a fiasco all week. Right. Mm-hmm. With, you know, with he was going to release the strategic, you know, in, yeah. in 50 million. You mean barrels. after he shut down the pipeline? The Democrats have so many problems. Yeah. So many fires to put out. They're getting caught in their own plans. Uh, and, of course, the conspiracies think that that's the whole plan, right? They mm-hmm. they want to bankrupt America so or they want to get, put gas so high that we all go out and buy electric vehicles. Which, uh, I don't know. That's not a good solution either. And the question is, we really don't even – and remember – Manchin, Senator Joe Manchin, he when Biden came out, he, he told Biden, he said, "Just reinstate the Keystone XL and and let's go go right. here." You know, I mean, what are you messing it's not around like with? An easy solution, you, but... you know the the strategic reserves are for emergencies. <laughs> you know, severe energy interruption is, I think, the way the law, you know, the way it's written. I'm not sure if that's the case, but yet whatever Biden's doing it, um, and is it really going to help your Thanksgiving travel costs? No. I mean, so so the reserve carry, there's 606.1 million barrels. Oh, my gosh. Trump filled fill them up to the you know, top, right? Then why are we not using them? Well, there are four emergencies, so, you know. Right. But, but Trump, not Trump, I mean, the maximum they can get out right. is about 4.4 million a day. Okay. Okay. So Biden wants to do 50 million. So, you know, it's going to take a couple weeks to get right. it even out, right? Um, so I'm not sure how this is going to help your Thanksgiving gas I think pump prices. I think they uh, neglected that issue. The um, and but also the issue is, is it really going to lower the price at the pump? Mm. See, not not you know, for one thing, they're saying that it's really unclear what kind of crude comes out. It's just, it's just, does it doesn't go directly from the strategic reserve right. it to, has into, to the, be into the gas pump. Right. right. And, and it somebody's got to be, do that. And deliver it. There's a process. There's delivery. We do have a shortage of drivers in gotta this country. Got to go to a refiner. You right. Know, um, 
So it, it may so take some time. So maybe if they release we might have it several months down the road. All right. Um, and they're saying some of it may just actually end up being stored somewhere. Okay, yeah. <laughs> or even worse, exported <laughs> to someone yeah. who will buy it. So For a premium price? I, but I don't know how that helps us at the gas. But wait. Um, and, of course, the other Democratic dilemma here is that the climate activists aren't happy that, you know, they're, they're worried now because, you know, President Biden's push to lower energy prices is undercutting the lofty goals of climate, you know, to get rid of. It, it's it's just I can't even talk about it anymore. Um, so I don't know. What's the how are you going to see the gas come down? Well, maybe this will prevent the gas prices from going up at the recent, you know, inflation rate. Um, and it may, you know, some experts saying that. Uh, it may lower five to fifteen cents a gallon for mm-hmm. for a week, maybe. Wow, yeah, that'll really help. It's a start, Gary. Right, it's something. Um, I think I'd rather spend my time on them or do things that you can, which we talk a lot on the show. There's things you can control. I can't control what the price is at the pump. But I can control the choices I make on my financial life and being proactive and using opportunities. I mean, right. that's the biggest thing. Or if now, so are you making a knee jerk reaction and saying, oh, my gosh, gas is going to go up so high. I won't be able to take the, the, the I can't drive to grandma's house for Thanksgiving. Or I, maybe I don't want to retire because I'm worried about spending and I need to make my pile of money even bigger because we have people coming for that and we actually run the numbers very conservative and realistic and what they're worried about isn't really a worry for them sometimes because I think you have to and I think the word hyperinflation is thrown around too loosely Mm -hmm. all right and to, to give an example let's use the price of gas at the pump all right now, I started this. I went over this back in May on this show, Carrie. Mm-hmm. And at that time, gas in Cleveland was around $2.60 a gallon. Wow. I guess it is really going up. So it's <laughs> well, right now, it's what, about three thirty? maybe I think yeah. I paid last? So it has gone up. Quite a bit. Quite a bit. Okay. Um, that's about, you know, 4% a clip per month, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but remember, at the time back in May, I was saying people were saying hyperinflation. Well, if you really want the most common definition of hyperinflation, it's where prices are, you have 50% prices increases monthly. Which I don't think that, I mean, there's no way Americans would stand for that. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously a country can't survive. I was going to say, no. So, because if you really, back in May, if you would believe that the $260 a gallon was going up by hyperinflation, defined as 50% price increases monthly, by this time, the price of gasoline wouldn't be three thirty a gallon. It would be $29.62 a gallon. Which is no way. Like Okay. Um, now, but we've had the, you know, we've had this um, higher inflation right now. So is it, is it going to go much, is it going to come back down from 329, 330? Maybe. Or do you think, no, it's going up higher? Maybe not at a hyperinflation, right? I've talked to a lot of people that think it'll be almost $4 or $4 by the end of the year if we keep going the way we're going. Um, Now, I think the other people get confused, too, is when they hear these inflation numbers thrown around or reading in the headlines, they're getting they're getting confused between what's annualized and what's monthly. Mm-hmm. See, for example, a lot of people heard that the CPI was up six six point two percent. That wasn't annualized. That's not monthly. Right. But I think some people think that's monthly. And if that was monthly, that would be terrible. Right. That'd be 74, 75% inflation <laughs> annually. Yeah. So in that case, the current $3.30 a gallon, by this time next November, it would be $6.79 a gallon. Yeah. Now, if you want to do hyperinflation, which is you know doubling or 50% increases every month, the price of gas a year from now, Carrie, would mm-hmm. be $428 a gallon. So you're putting 20 gallons in your car, you're 
bill would be 8563 Does anyone listening believe that we're having hyperinflation so that to fill up your 20-gallon tank next November, Thanksgiving, it's going to cost you $8,563 at the pump? No. No, of course not. All right. Um, how about... Ten, what about double digit? Ten, I hear that a lot. Double digit inflation. Mm-hmm. I define that as ten percent a year. Carrie, can I do that? Right, two digits. I think that's the good. That's the first two digit number. Okay. Um, so monthly, that'd be about point eight three percent. Zero point eight three. Okay. As opposed, and then over twelve months, you're going to get up to ten percent. Right. The difference between annual, you know, you got to break. You know, you know, if you're looking at mm-hmm. monthly. So let's do double-digit inflation for the next 12 months. So if I'm starting at 330, mm-hmm. that means by next Thanksgiving, with 10% double-digit inflation consistently for the next 12 months, they would go from $3.30 a gallon to $3.64 a gallon. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it doesn't sound as bad. Maybe you don't need to jump off the bridge quite yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. How about if we have the current... you know, with the latest CPI reading year over year, lower than 10, right? Mm -hmm. But what if it stays at 6.2? Okay, now um, a year from now, your $3.30 a gallon would be $3.51. Okay. Maybe so you can still maybe planning on driving to grandma's house next Thanksgiving, right? But what if, I don't know, I know this isn't going to happen, Carrie, but what, just what if we see inflation taper off? Like mm-hmm. some of the recent statistics are showing that Which, we might have already peaked out. Okay. So what if inflation for the next 12 months is 4% annualized? Okay. All right. About three, about 0.33% monthly. All right. So now you're $3.30 a gallon for next Thanksgiving would be $3.43 a gallon. Okay. So your 20-gallon tank may cost you 68 bucks to fill up. Okay. A bit less than the hyperinflation, 8563 A bit. You know, a bit less than the 10% double-digit inflation would be $73 to fill your tank. But maybe you're not worried about double-digit, but maybe you're worried about instead of day-to-day, which we run average 3 to 4%. Some people are saying, hey, let's run it at 6 or 8% for a couple of years and then go back to what was normal. That's what I'm going to do next, Carrie. But that's, does that affect some of the financial choices that you're making and decisions on what you're not doing? Are you continuing to work somewhere where you don't want to be? Um, is there a dream that you have that you want to spend money on that you haven't? You know, the having a financial plan and model helps people as much as we say save money and choices. It really gives you the clarity and knowledge to know that you can do these things and looking at a worst case and you're still going to be okay. You're going to be very comfortable in making those financial decisions. And this is what we try to get across. Don't, you know, have a way to measure what's affecting right now, how to measure that into the future. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to run multiple models. How many models, financial models, do you think our Federal Reserve are running? Oh, I would say hundreds. And, I would hope. And how many people you think are working on them? Thousands. Maybe hundreds, at least hundreds. worst case with all the staff of all the central bank. Yeah, they are. I was thinking just. For, yeah, well, that's true. Every um, and and let's say with the Treasury, they work very closely with the Treasury. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many staff are on the Treasury. Mm-hmm. Secretary, you know, uh, um, but but I use that. I use the gas as just an example. But really, when we what we do for clients, we do all their expenses under these models, mm-hmm. not just the gasoline, okay? And the way, if you really want to get detailed at this or make it more realistic, you may want to use various inflation rates based on the characteristic of the expense. Right. For example, you may want to use a higher rate of inflation for healthcare, Which we have been doing. Okay. Or you may want to use a higher inflation for college education, Mm-hmm. Savings, you know, or or maybe there's some categories of expenses that you don't need to worry about inflation. That could be discretionary mm-hmm. spending, where you're saying, "Hey, I'm planning a trip for ten thousand, thinking that's going to get me the Alaskan cruise, but uh oh, the Alaskan cruise is going to cost fifteen thousand. Do you really have to do it next year, or do you just 
take another trip that you can get for ten thousand. Mm-hmm. You know that that's more discretionary where you can control it. Now you can make an argument that any expense you have has a discretionary element to it. Mm-hmm. You know you could turn your thermostat off, right? <laughs> to some degree, yeah. Well, you know, um, you might have bigger cost if your pipes freeze. You could you buy, know? you know, hot dogs instead of steaks. Or eggs, even though you doesn't eggs still cheaper than? And that's a problem with President uh, Washington's recipe, Carrie. He didn't tell us how many eggs to use. I don't think that's. I think it's irrelevant. I, <laughs> or maybe he just by he was frequently tasting it too much to forget to put that detail in. Maybe he couldn't remember how many eggs he used. Um. All right. So. But you had mentioned something to carry a minute ago and, and the idea of the, the, the group of people out there who are in the camp that think we are going to see this higher level of inflation, but mm-hmm. it's not permanent. Back to the federal pals transitory. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a little bit lengthier than what right. we first were led to believe, but still the idea that when the supply chains get worked out, you know, as long as we don't have a major recession or which, by the way, the Rona has killed two years. I mean, but right. don't look now. It's not affecting the stock market. Mm-hmm. Stock markets have double digits. Um, but. All right. So it, but you're saying, Mark, I'm just trying to do this in a quick way. We could use the four percent rule. Right. And if you go back, I, I start I've been carrying this example for the last I've done this in the last couple of radio shows. And you can always go back and listen to our podcasts, right, and, and catch the, the back ones. But And there's always a lot of talk about Bill Benjamin's 4% rule, right? I mean, Morningstar just came out with a big report saying, oh, it, it's no longer 4%, it's 3.3%. I mean, it's just math, right? Right. The, the whole, and that's what we've been saying on this show for decades. Mm-hmm. You have to adjust the 4% rule for your own circumstances, Mm-hmm. Your longevity, your, I mean, adjust those variables because it was based on a specific scenario, but that doesn't mean the formulas are wrong. You just change those different variables and you get different answers. Right. You run different models based on different assumptions. The formula still works. Math is math. Mm-hmm. One plus one is two. In 1994, when Benjamin came out with this, and in 2021. Right. Um, now, so what's when you see all the articles saying the four percent rule is dead or it has to be modified? Yeah, all they're saying a lot of times they're saying is because Benjamin was basically based on a fifty-fifty allocation on investments. Mm-hmm. Your nest egg, he was assuming a five percent rate of return. So that's one of the big assumptions that goes into the four percent rule: five percent rate of return. Mm-hmm. Well, you may think that's too aggressive under the current economic conditions. Your, ask your investment advisor, Mr. Investment Advisor, based on how you have me allocated today, what do you think I should be using as a long range rate of return after your fees? And let him tell you what it is. Maybe that's a place to start. All right. Um, but the a second one is your time period. Benjamin used 30 years. Okay. That may be your time frame. It may not be your time frame. Mm-hmm. You may have to go 35 years. Maybe you only need to go 20 years. Depends on how old you are. And how mm-hmm. long are you going to live, right? The other one is what rate of inflation you are building in. Because what Benjamin did was the idea of saying, whatever you take out the first year in retirement, i.e. 4%. So let's do our million-dollar example, right? You have a million dollars. You take out $40,000 in the first year, right? The idea is saying then once you... You go, you know, you go over in the second year, you take out three and a half. Benjamin used about three and a half percent. You take out three and a half percent of what you did the first year. Mm-hmm. So in the second year, you're taking out forty one thousand four hundred, for example. And then that rate of inflation, he built that in. He built the he built your lifestyle in the cost of your lifestyle mm-hmm. going up. So that and and the, and the and the other thing too that some people don't understand is that what Benjamin was saying is if you follow this rule, your million dollars is approaching zero at the end of 30 years. Okay. Now, that's not everybody's plan to get down to zero. Right. They're thinking, I'd like to leave something for my kids. 
So mm-hmm. my plan isn't getting my nest egg down to zero when I die. I, I still want something. That's that's how you have to adjust it then. Mm-hmm. You have to tell the robot, hey, don't take it down to zero. Take it down to 500,000, for example. Well, then you've got to redo the math, right? You do. You change one variable at a time, so to speak. But now, so so, but let's talk about adjusting inflation because that's what we're dealing with right now, a higher rate of inflation. As I said, Benjamin used about 3.5%. Well, what do you want to use, right? And so one may be the idea of if you're in the camp that thinks we're going to have higher rate of inflation temporarily. Now, what does temporarily mean? What does it mean to you? I'm going to use 10 years. Okay. Is that? That's that's not temporary. Well, it's not. <laughs> that's permanent. no longer transitory. But I'm saying some people. Is it a worst case scenario? Right, but some people will say two years, three years. If it was, we'll ask our clients, "What do you want us to use?" So you know, as if you go back and listen to the prior podcast, you know, this example was um, we had a 65 year old couple million. I'm mean, using a million dollars in investments. The 30 years would take them to age 94. Well, one of the things they said. Mark, I really don't need it going to 94. We ain't going to get to 94. We're okay with 90. Okay. See, this is your plan, not mine. Mm-hmm. If, if you're the client and you say, Mark, I just, want my, I just want the plan model to show me how much I can spend if I want to be down to zero by age 90 instead of 95 mm-hmm. or 100. That's your choice. You're the client. Okay. Um, we can make recommendations. We can talk to you all day long about longevity. Right. But it's still your choice. All right. So also, though, they think that, there were, let's say, so let's use 5% inflation for the next 10 years. Okay. Then let's cut it back down to 3%. We get okay. back to the Fed's more of a revised target. Maybe not 2%, maybe 3%. Okay. And so what they want to know is, so they said, Mark, let's do the math that way. Let's assume 4.4%, I'm sorry, 5% inflation on the first 10 years, then um, the 3% I'm going. But they still wanted the same amount of spending okay, as if we only use 3.5% inflation. You know, So based on their Social Security, which was about 36000 they would need about 44000 out of their million dollars. Okay. To get to their 80000 which is they really need for all their spending. So now when we did that, the 5% wasn't working. Okay. So we, so these, I said, okay, so this is what you do. So, so you want to, they said, well, Mark, what would our investments have to be earning if we wanted that scenario to work? Where we're assuming 5% inflation for the next 10 years, then 3%. We want it last to age ninety, and we still want to pull out forty four thousand in the first year. Okay. Now remember, with five percent inflation, that means the second year you're pulling out forty six thousand. We ran the numbers; the bogey came back to five point five percent rate of return. Mm. So maybe that's not taking on too much more risk. Now you have something to go to your investment advisor mm-hmm. and say, okay, now if I need five and a half percent, what should my allocation be? Now you have something to talk about. And you can call the estate planning team for a free consultation at 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. Enjoy the eggnog and go Bucks. Tune in next week for more Financial Food for Thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening.